Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics. A former star baseball player, competitive bull rider, and three-tour combat veteran, Wiley McGrew is the founder of Radical Performance Acceleration and has been behind the scenes for nearly 14 years, doing life-altering work with powerful and prominent leaders and a broad range of public figures. His work is about giving an elite edge to high-achieving individuals while eradicating their cycles of stress, sacrifice, and suffering that is unfortunately associated with reaching their level of success. Wiley is also the host of a new podcast called Wise Words and Whiskey with Wiley McGraw, where he distills down his work and philosophies for insights on how to attain peace with success and live an optimal life, all in a fireside chat environment over a good whiskey. I love that. Hello, Wiley, and welcome <laughs> to Back to Basic. Oh, Leticia, thank you so much for having me. You I appreciate just, it. You just inspire me to maybe add inspiring conversations with a glass of wine by Leticia Latina or something. Something like hey, that. I'm like, how uh, did I miss the booze on mine? <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. It gives people that environment to relax in with you and enjoy a glass of wine or whiskey uh, over some really low key conversations rather than it being the typical, you know, strenuous uh, note taking opportunities that most podcasts or shows have. So maybe that that will stimulate something. For Absolutely. You. It's great. Well, I'm Italian yeah. and my, my parents are Italian. So I always say uh, there's always a good excuse to open a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that. Yes. <laughs> right. So, so Wiley, I always like to start, you know, with the origin story. Of course, when mm -hmm. you read what you do and what you've achieved, it's like, wow, people say that. What, you know, that, that sounds like exciting stuff you're doing. So, Could you take us to, uh, you know, the, your younger years? What were you passionate about? What were you, were you dreaming about doing what you're doing or something else? I always like to dig uh, into that, that kind of stuff. Of course. Well, I mean, you, you read it in the beginning. I was a star athlete. That's, I grew up into a world of, of sports. Baseball was the primary focus, but I mean, I played football and soccer for many years as well. A lot of competition going on in the household. Uh, my <laughs> father being a semi-pro ball player, growing around at, pro athletes and famous people like that. So for me, it, was, it, it just was the environment that I was brought into that was conducive to focusing on the talent and skills that I had as an athlete. But uh, no, I didn't dream about doing what I was going to do now. <laughs> Actually, the, my, my original dream as a young man was firefighting. I, I fell mm. in love with the respectable public service that firefighters and paramedics are. And I was so enthralled by their heroic actions and what they represent in the community. And for me, I always held on to that ideal of what I wanted to contribute to the world as a young man, even though I was playing sports. But it just became this world of uh, stress and chaos that I experienced in family dynamics, um, mm -hmm. especially with me. I was always the black sheep of the family. Mm -hmm. It always seemed like I was the place everybody wanted to talk about their, their deepest, darkest truths or their stresses. Mm -hmm. and their family functions were never really fun for me because everybody wanted to bring me all their problems, but I never understood that. So I broke away from this perfectionist world of being a star athlete, my, you know, what I was expected to be. 
and started chasing other environments that really would scare me and challenge me to find out who I was rather than what I was expected to become. Mm. That's where I started. And yeah. at what time, like in what part of your life, rather, was that breaking from that? Were you to university as a star athlete or a <laughs> I, you know what, that's a great question because I, I had the opportunities starting to show up where uh, we had scouts, talent scouts for colleges looking at my pitching skills uh, as I was being trained by the California Angels pitching staff in the 80s and getting my arm really prepared to go down that route because that's where my father wanted me to go. And um, it was high school. High school, of course, as we're rebelling in high school, we're all learning our feet, you know, getting our feet wet and figuring mm -hmm. ourselves out, our personalities and gaining our own like social circles and who we are. That coupled with the, the idea that I did not want to do this anymore for the pressures that were upon me. I didn't feel like I was playing it for the love of the game. That high school, early years of high school is where I broke away and I chased the world of bull riding. I got into a rodeo. I met some people, some people through some contacts that, you know, turned me on to it. I got on my first bull. I fell in love with the fact that that bull fell on top of me. It, it excited <laughs> me. It scared me. And it, it allowed me to meet a version of myself that I truly was dying to meet. And it, it excited me to the opportunity of what else lies ahead when I chase this type of unknown uh, in this world, which that world is full of. And that's what birthed my path to this, this place that I'm even now today doing what I do for, for people as well. Mm, I love how you say yeah. it. It allowed me to meet a side of me that I hadn't met. I think, yes. I think of course, we'll talk about, I have many questions as I did research into your coaching and what you do for a living, but obviously there is something to be said with, there's so many aspects of ourselves that are there wanting for us, begging for for us to like discover them. And, and right. if we get paralyzed by fear, we just never get to, to meet them. So, wow. So from, from baseball to bull rider, and then mm -hmm. at some point you decide to pivot again and you enlisted, I guess. And yes. So, so yes. tell us a little bit about that also. <laughs> I, I always, I don't know why I like to explore the jump because I think yeah, that jump is where people get stuck. They, 100%. People that sometimes don't have that ability to jump. And so when I have jumpers <laughs> yeah. on the show, I love to like dig into that jump. <laughs> What's well, kind of, someone said last night to me, it's like a Tarantino film where we go back and forth, back and forth, <laughs> you know, jumping like that to kind of really grasp those pivotal transitional moments of full of unknowns uh, and full of fears and stress and, and that uh, discomfort that comes along when it comes to jumping or change. Mm -hmm. And going back to that question you just asked was, tell me about the jump from bull riding, even as the military. Well, that was part of even the very uncomfortable dynamic between my father and I, when I decided to no longer play baseball and I started to ride bulls every single week <laughs> and spend time out of the house and being away from the confines of what his expectations were of me. So of course that dynamic started to become very tumultuous. And eventually he got to the point where he said, well, you know, if you're not going to listen to me, might as well get out of here anyway. And I thought, well, that's perfect because I've been thinking about the military. My brother and I did a junior Marine Corps program when we were in high school, we fell in love with the structure, the discipline serving our country. And of course, every person in my family served since World War II, grandfathers, uncles. So we figured time honored tradition might as well, you know, coupled with the timing of pressure and what my dad wanted and what I thought I needed to do for my life. That's, it was just that next best evolution that I said, okay, let's do it. And I joined the United States army and became a member of one of the most historic units in the, in the world with the 101st airborne division served as a combat infantry leader with an airborne regimental combat team. That's known for traveling around with Rangers and seals and doing crazy uh, airborne operations. And um, I did my three tours and it was in those moments that I further fueled this passion for embracing the suck 
and facing fears and yield, learning to yield to the fear rather than trying to overcome it, seeing it as an asset for real transformation and growth. And in the throes of war, I discovered more about that gift that I talked about a moment ago, where why is everybody dumping their stuff on me and how am I able to see these blind spots in people? I just accentuated it as a leader in the military and learned how to lead people and accelerate their performance and really make them better in the jobs that we were doing as a team. So that's mm. where, where it became my next evolution. Well, fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. And and of course, we you you then transition once again. Is there anything from those years in, in you know, of service that really were the things that like if 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 you want to like I'm not I'm not American, but you know, I think everybody's willing to put their own personal safety on on behalf of others. That to me is the most admirable thing that one human being can do. So the one thing that maybe you you believe that people don't know about people that go into that kind of service. The, the one thing I believe that people don't know about when it comes to yeah, being in the service. Thing that you wish people we know more. Yeah, we don't do it. There's, I, I'm sure we've heard it time and time again nowadays in social media, and of course, a lot of military leaders out there that are public figures. But at the end of the day, it, it's not about the recognition, and it's not about the excitement of being, you know, a decorated soldier or a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret. There's no thought process in that. All that matters is I want the challenge. I want the teamwork. I want to serve something greater than myself. I want to just be able to participate and appreciate what I was born into into this, especially being an American born and, and loving and valuing what the military stands for and the freedoms that we represent and the, the work that we do to protect those freedoms. It's, I heard a saying years ago, as heavy as the weight of freedom, bless all those who carry it. And I look back and, and anybody that serves in combat can tell you is, you know, it's not me, it's the guy next to me. Let's look and honor those people. And, and when you have a whole, whole unit of people in the military saying, it's not me, it's the guy next to me, this is, To me, that is admirable because we don't look for ourselves. We don't go, you know what? How do I look in uniform? How do I look in the public eye? It's just, we get turned on by the idea that we're doing a job for something greater than ourselves, for ideals that we live by. And we want to just give our blood, sweat, and tears to that, no matter what the cost is. It's just a certain internal drive that a lot of people don't realize that not everybody's born with it and not everybody can find it. And those that do choose to go into these, these environments to, to see how they can honor and serve that. So that's what it's about. Mm. Beautiful. I, if all if we all had that little service in us in, the, mm. in that way, that is ultimate sacrifice. So now on the ignorant side of me, as I say, disclosure, I am not <laughs> I don't have military members. So you do three tours. So yeah. for the next jump, is this something you can decide? Can you say, okay, I'm done with the military, I'm moving on, or or is there any process that when you say I want to go back into civilian life? Well, that's, I mean, that's a conversation. That's one of the deepest conversations I think I ever had with myself was mm -hmm. what do I do? Start planning ahead, especially being young, serving at, um, at those. I did three years and reenlisted after my first tour overseas because I didn't really, you know, I felt more alive there. And I thought, you know, I want to keep pursuing the excitement of this world of being in a team and functioning the way at this high level that we are. I mean, it's all high performance. It's all motivation. It's all discipline. I loved it. So I thought three more years, let me see how that feels after three. And I started to have that conversation after five years and thought, you know what, I might want to stay in. I think I can go find other places. Like I started training for the uh, special forces selection uh, process. So I had friends of mine that were green berets and said, you should come over to our side. Uh, but then I also decided oh, maybe I want to go fly Blackhawks. So I started to peruse this world of where would I be happy if I stayed in the military? And then the, the conversation became, yeah, but I've done three tours and I'm kind of at the point where I've been shot at. I've, I've experienced 
combat. I've had and watched friends of mine, you know, uh, give their lives for this nation. And I thought, where, where do I really want to go here? Does it, I mean, staying in the military, is that really conducive for me to be the best? And is this something that I really want? And then when I found the answer to be no, that's when I chose to discharge from the United States Army and get out and pursue myself and knowing more about who I was and getting into this world of studying myself as a human being and what it is that I can contribute to the world on a greater scale that I wasn't able to do in the military. So that conversation was not easy, but it was one that was fulfilling and rewarding, which is why I pushed myself to get out of the military and then seek out this path of what is self-mastery supposed to look like? Everybody talks about becoming your best and being a high achiever, but what does that actually look like? And when I got turned on by the, the, the prosperity part of the path towards self-mastery, not the goal of it, uh, that to me is where I, I discovered all the nuanced gaps that are existing in personal development and in personal growth and in transformation. And that is where I started to put my focus and my, my desire to, to improve on. So I think it's the, the excitement of the journey that turned me on more so than the goal. Mm. That's yeah. great. And I, and I love what you say that you started studying yourself as a human being. I think that's so powerful. Like I read it and I get goosebumps because I think there's mm -hmm. moments that we are called to do just that, to listen right. really who we are and what we like and what and being calling ourselves, as you say, in that conversation, which I'm sure can be months of conversation with oneself right. and years. <laughs> Yes. And where you yes. discover, it's not like in one day, because I, I sometimes feel people think that they're going to get this lightning bolt where they know what's supposed <laughs> to do. And oh, let me do three days of meditation or let me uh, hire a coach. And in three days or in three yeah. months, they're going to figure it out. This, this is a process that can take a lifetime. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting. The process can take a lifetime of conversation. But getting to where you live the life that you truly want from a place, I mean, you were always going to be a forever balancing act. We always have to manage ourselves on a daily basis. The dichotomy here, the one, the thing that I talk about constantly is that you can get to a set point of peace, internal peace and satisfaction with your life, despite being human and having emotions and frustrations and irritations. But we chase the idea that life, it's going to be a forever work in progress to try to better ourselves. So people get caught up in that slow snail like pace of growth because of the fears of what it means to truly stretch yourself and push yourself beyond your own limitations or bringing in the right resources or being in the right environments like the military that will challenge you outside of your control to become your best so that's a big part you just said right now is the transitional moments that scary moments i found were where you get the answers a lot of times what we get caught up in is when it feels good and it's comfortable, everything is looking hunky-dory, if we, if you will. You know, that's when the ego can kind of say, hey, this is, this is a good idea. Hey, this is where we should actually go. Hey, this is what we should do next. But it's in those darkest of moments of real truth and facing our own abilities to change. That's when we get the best answers. And then sometimes people don't listen to them. Mm. They just they, they run away from those moments because they don't like the way it feels. And here we are as military, we're going to embrace the suck. When that happens, that's where you actually can find more of, of the real answers because you're getting the, the most vulnerable version of yourself exposed in that, that almost, um, what's the word, acute moment of reality rather than when it's comfortable, kind of you can go back to the, the way the mind wants to make you feel comfortable. So mm, I think that's very powerful and very true that in those moments, you really, you, you shed all the, I think COVID in a way brought that. Right. That in those moments <laughs> of extreme desperation, 
people were faced to thinking, am I happy with my job? Am I, you know, like they were asking the important questions and they were getting quality answers because a lot of the outside world was removed for a while from our lives. Yes. And we could really yes. focus on listening to the answers and experiencing a different type of life, even if it wasn't realistic that we all hold down and, you know, not seeing people. But I think it allowed whomever wanted to study themselves to tap into things that that were very powerful. Well, you know, I, I'll add to that. You're right. It did. Ex COVID did expose so many different variables of, of where people were feeling limited and how the system as a whole was, in fact, not operating at its best. The other part of it, too, is this is where I, even part of my biggest philosophy in the work that I do with, with leaders and public figures, people that have positions of power and influence, is understanding that it takes sometimes the most chaotic moments to truly transform a life or a society. COVID, if you look at it from a broader perspective, also was a necessary um, disruption to get people to start paying attention to things we otherwise gloss over in society. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not saying it was a valuable thing for people to get sick or die. What I'm saying is this is the plight of human nature is we often have to wait till things get really bad before we start to actually face our truth and do something radical to change our lives bringing in people or support systems or going after environments or our opportunities or experiences that scare us and challenge us when it's not convenient. That's the thing is people only want to work on themselves when it's convenient. And then when things hit the fan, they don't, they almost don't know what to do. And all these eruptions occur that are out of control or uncontained. And then we have, not only do we have good change, we have chaotic change. And then we don't know where to delineate the differences and how to progress as a, a, a whole society or a species. So this is the biggest problem too that I find. Mm, I, I totally agree. So, so well, we, we kind of started talking about it. You, you come back into civilian life, you study in yourself, yes. and you basically found radical performance acceleration. <laughs> well, eventually, a few years after I got in the military, I wanted to make sure that I knew I wanted to create something on my own to support other people after being a military leader, recognizing that I had a gift and a skill set to be able to see and expose blind spots. My presence and who I am, the essence of myself, what I was born into this world with, causes people to feel and rattle within the unresolved stresses they carry around. And my ability to contain them in a relationship allows th those stresses to become eradicated so that the result, the byproduct, is their innate potential themselves only accelerates and starts to move them towards successes that they otherwise would have been trying to grind to achieve. So for me, when I got out of the military, I found that it was most important for me to be the best version of me, to be the most optimal, to be in a place where I have no longer demons that, that plague me running inside me that can filter through and impact my ability to do good work out in the world. And until I got to that place, I felt that was the only way I was going to be the best support system for other people. Once I got to a place of balance and finding myself living from a place of peace and having satisfaction and recognizing my relationships, picking and choosing where I put my energy and focus, having a clear mind uh, and a desire to stay motivated on a daily basis, recognizing and learning how to manage inner volatility despite what's going on outside of me, that's where radical performance acceleration was built and founded around who I am, not necessarily like things I went out and studied and learned. I never followed gurus. Because I always felt like I'm going to limit myself trying to mimic or do what they're doing. I can take in and heed certain advice and, and insights and apply them based through my filter and my own philosophies that really can accentuate who I am, what I possess, my skills. 
then radical performance acceleration, my partner and I, she helped build that around me. And it just naturally innately started to grow from a word of mouth basis where I worked behind the scenes prior to COVID for 12 years without any digital presence, no website and no social media. It was all just, Hey, this is the guy that changed my life. And people were like, I want to know what that, that can do for me. And that's what blossomed into what it is today. Mm, that's beautiful. And also recognizing. Yeah. And if I uh, recall that, <clears throat> what, that, that fact me. that you say that in your family, they would go to you for help and support. <laughs> I mean, it's been yeah. there all along. Yeah. I was born into it. Yeah, that's my my makeup. But yeah. also either that it was what was required for you and your family, or maybe they would go to you because you were already showcasing that ability to to be of support early on. Well, that's the thing is I was the, it's almost if you consider this, I was the cog in the, the machine that speaking from a uh, esoteric place, mm -hmm. vibration, if mm -hmm. you will, that disrupted the, the kind of dysfunctional way that that machine worked. Yeah. And It, when you have that dynamic, and, and it happens in businesses and corporations, I see it time and time again with politicians, it's there, it's always happening, is when you remove that cog, it throws everything out of whack. And people tend to try to grip onto that thing because it made them feel a certain way or made them operate a certain way in life that was comfortable for them. So when you remove yourself, this is why they say you got to get away from toxic people and go around people that are not, that uplifts you. And then the reactions of people, the eruptions, if you will, those one of the things I talk about showcases why you were the very thing that they needed to sustain. So that's what I essentially served as. And everywhere I went, everywhere I go now, I can't turn on or off this demon slayer nature of who I am. It's just who I am. And it's, you know, trying to explain it to people. Sometimes it's difficult because they don't recognize that this is you feeling your, your, your own stuff coming up, your own truths rattling from within. When I'm around you, when I focus on you, That's what I recognized after I got in the military that I had been all along and why it was important for me to go out to the world with my capacity to impact leaders' lives and get them to a place of balance so they can stop infecting the world around them and influencing and dividing and creating chaos amongst those that follow them or that they lead or that they influence. Mm. That's, uh, that's uh, uh, incredible. And, 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 you know, of course, I will have your webpage on the, on the show notes and uh, I'm definitely going to check mm -hmm. out the... <laughs> the podcast, not with Scotch, I'm not, although Venezuela, you know, where my country where I'm from, it used to be, I don't know now because my country has been <laughs> through different turmoil lately, but we used yes. to be the uh, highest consumer of Scotch in the world. I don't know if you know right. that, but a lot of people yeah, get yeah. surprised. Yep. If you yep. go to a Venezuelan wedding, you know, like, I don't know, but the yep. number of bottles that we have to purchase <laughs> <laughs> to really endure a wedding. I love it. Uh, it I love it. Uh, yeah. So, but. Well, the show, the show, Letitia, is, it's not just scotch. Scotch is my go-to. It's one of my favorite things. I, I'm a single malt scotch guy myself, but the show is just about wise words and whiskey. And I have, you know, right now I've got some sponsorship opportunities with, uh, you know, different groups that are looking to support what we're doing from bourbons to Irish whiskeys to Japanese whiskeys, even someone mentioned French whiskeys, which I'm going to go check out because I've never had any of that. So it's really about getting people in this environment, low-key conversations on high-performance living, where they get another side of not only me, but bringing on cool people that I pose certain, a very specific you know, thought or question for so we can unpack together where everybody can pour themselves a glass of whiskey or as well, learning about the different flavor profiles and different experiences, and then having this really cool, casual conversation where people can glean insights into what they can do and apply to their lives from the distilled down work that I've been doing with powerful people say, like, oh, that's where I am missing the mark when it comes to even 
challenging myself or finding this or that's what peace is supposed to feel like. So that's what the environment's about. It's not necessarily just focus on Scott. No, no, so no. I, I, I love, get yeah, that. Yeah, I get yeah. that. But it's, it's a good, uh, how would you say, conversation starter. Always yes, like to absolutely. having a drink and just share your experience with the drink. So I'm really curious. Right. I would definitely check it out. And so in the work you do, I know that one of the things and if when you read your client success stories and all that, you and I quote you, you being quoted to say, to have intense methods. <laughs> Is anybody saying, <laughs> yeah. hey, Wiley, I heard you have intense methods. What do you think people refer to or what do you think you, you talk about? you know, getting people unstuck. And, and so tell us a little bit about your, your, your approach or how would you be defined by others? Great. I'll give it to you from the way that I can give it to you so that it makes sense. One of the things that I, I look at it is nowadays, especially everybody wants to name drop about who they've worked with and everyone probably tries to sol solve problems from the outside in approach. It's based on their education, their understanding and their experiences and the tools they've come up, they come to the table and say, hey, so-and-so, I'm going to solve your problems here based on what I see is happening outside of you. The antithesis is how I perform and operate in my work. So intense, intense methods is, number one, I integrate into the lives of the individual that I work with. That is the, the fundamental difference to everything out there. I live with, travel with, 24-7 with my clients. I only work with a certain like, two or three maybe per year. It's very high level, very intense. It's very intimate oriented and relationship based. So I become basically their battle buddy in the trenches with them as life is happening with them. So the intense methods are all determined based on what that person needs in the moment. It's not a predetermined protocol process. It's not a coaching system. I'm not a coach by any means of the definition. I'm truly a confidant. That is, it is fully integrated holistically into these individuals' lives where no stone is left unturned. So if I see and experience something as it's happening with them, that is, in fact, where the real difficulty lies. Solving that problem has nothing to do with bringing them a strategy from the outside. What it does is getting into that experience with them, going through the pain of that experience with them, and putting them in positions that make them face it and allow it to rattle up from within so that we can eradicate it and then I'll give them the results that tend to happen within, you know, 24 or 48 hours after each time we push through that limitation that I'm exposing that they otherwise would have been carrying inside them. And most people do not recognize that in human beings. They think most issues that people are dealing with are easily solvable through systematic approaches, through processes, through your strategies. Here's a 10-step way in which you can improve your this, or here's five steps you can in, in, improve that. That doesn't work if you want to be optimal. That all that does is gives you kind of like a nice streamlined thought process of what you could potentially do. But real difficulties with people in positions of power and influence, people that have big capacities, stem from other areas of their lives they have not faced. So my work, who I am, what I've committed to is about getting into the individual's lives and witnessing and experiencing what's really transpiring behind the curtain that is in fact influencing their behavior, their mindset, their focus, their ability to say sustainable success and, and, and momentum and, and going after those and slaying those demons intimately first because they need completely different approaches from therapy, crisis management, or coaching. They need radical intervention, someone who actually loves them, cares for them, is in it to win it with them right by their side, similar to the military. When you have a battle buddy in the trenches, you're fighting a war, that's intimate, that's intense, that's right there. They can see who you are. They know exactly how to keep you on the top of your, your game. And you do the same for one another. That's the nature of my work.
Mm, well, yeah, it sounds uh, exciting and it sounds like a blend between a confident, um, mm. you know, a coach, a therapist, like an accountability body. I think you definitely have a great model. Well, I have, you know, 40, I think 40 right now, plus re, uh, specialists that work in tandem with me. So again, I, I bring this holistic approach to the human being. Optimizing human performance requires a completely different approach to it. And you need to be altruistic in how you, you view and experience the life of the individual that you're working with. This is one of the blind spots I recognize in the coaching world when I got out of the military and wanted to get down that path of self-mastery was people are hooking themselves to following and mimicking other people who have successes rather than figuring out who they are first, facing their own truth, battling through their stresses, their demons, as I call them, and getting to a place where when they follow said guru or said coach, it only accentuates what they're doing out in the world. So that's why before COVID, I was happy being behind the scenes. I was just pass along word of mouth, meeting people, having these intimate relationships where they recognize I'm coming to Wiley because everything else that I've ever done didn't get me to where I really want to be. I, I may have a nine-figure net worth. I may be popular over here, but I'm miserable at home at night. My relationships are not where I want them to be. My health isn't as, as tip-top shape that it could be. I actually feel like I'm more stressed out than ever when I should be less stressed out with my successes. So that's the nature of why people like that do actually call me, the ones that can feel into this going, you know what, I want something radical and different. I don't want a, a no step-by-step how something's going to go because that, in fact, creates more limitation when you know step-by-step how something's going to come. But when you got somebody who's right by your side who, who course, corrects you as life is happening in those moments, that's where real radical shifts can happen, and that's where real results become exponential and highly sustainable. Mm. Well, it sounds like you're also doing the, that, uh, helping them study themselves as human beings. You know, it's uh, when, when you were talking about what you were doing, it's almost like you're also helping people on better understand themselves. And that I'm giving, giving them right. You're right, Letitia. I'm giving them right containment. Proper exactly. containment is where we find freedom. Mm-hmm. When we have no containment, like we are seeing right now in our social media landscape, where everybody just wants to say whatever, feel whatever. And when you try to contain them, the reactions that they have is my rights, my freedoms, And nobody wants to be properly contained, yet everybody wants freedom and satisfaction. So when I properly contain these people, I'm the special ops guy that comes in, holds them accountable into this container as it's happening so they can truly discover who they really are without all the chaos and stress that they have carried with them their entire lives. And it's like, I don't need to teach the billionaire that I just had a conversation with the other day how to make more money. That's not what my job is. My job is, is to optimize their life so that what they do go out and create becomes even more profound, even more robust. I'm not here to say I can teach coaching this and X, Y, Z over here. What I'm here to do is truly eradicate and battle these demons and make them the most elite version of themselves so that everything that they focus on and touch is only positive, highly sustainable. It grows exponentially and people become positively influenced by who they are and how well they live their lives. If there are leaders out there that don't want that, then I'm not their resource. But there are leaders out there that do want athletes, celebrities that are looking for something that's going to completely change the entire landscape of their lives, which is why I'm committed to doing the work that I do. Mm, Yeah, I believe that, uh, you know, especially if you're a public figure, you know, in the public eye or you know, yes, celebrity, right. you, you have a lot of chaos by definition. Like you cannot, those externalities really have a higher impact on you than on anybody else. So I'm sure 
that is also very important. Well, that's to- the idea. If I don't mind me interrupting here, I'll just add one last little piece, Letitia, is that they don't recognize that we don't live in silos. We're not mm-hmm. in these compartmentalized islands. How these people live their lives, it leaks out and it does infect other people. That's why people think that it's just words. Well, the words have an impact. That's why they call it casting spells, spelling, mm-hmm. right? You have word. People have energy that comes out with it. When you have stars like Kyrie Irving saying what he said and causing this huge uproar. Well, if it wasn't, if it was just words, you wouldn't feel anything. You wouldn't have this reaction to it. You'd be like, ah, these are just words. There's no impact here, but there is an impact. When you have celebrities who are causing chaos, who are, who are addicts, who are out in the world speaking vile things about how they're thinking or they're feeling in their life, what they're doing is projecting and infecting people around them and giving people permission to operate the same way. Mm-hmm. They're changing the vibration of landscape because of their influence. So for me, that's unacceptable. And that's why I go to the ends of the earth to do the work that I do is like, no, I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what your, your, your status is. What matters is how well are you living your life? Because what you're doing right now is you don't realize you're hurting people that respect and follow you. And you're giving people permission to believe, well, I will just accept their bad behavior because they, they were able to create X in the community over here, or I will accept this person's weirdness on social media because they made a rocket ship that we, we takes us to Mars. Nobody is saying, stop it. Let's look at the fact that there's a stark difference between dysfunction and personality, and it does infect people. That's the key. Mm, yeah, energy is infectious and contagious. Uh, that That is for sure. And uh, yeah, it sounds like that influence influence realignment in a way to create positive change. So I love it. I really think that's a very unique approach. I think you're on to something. Mm. Is there anything, Wiley, we haven't discussed any projects that <laughs> besides your podcast? I'm sure you have a lot going on, but anything in particular, I want to give you an open microphone, although you have your own microphone in your own <laughs> podcast, but okay. <laughs> For my audience, yeah, uh, anything you want to highlight uh, that we haven't touched upon? Right now, the the passion of this new podcast, Wise Words and Whiskey with Wiley McGraw, spending the time to marry those two sides of the work that I've done and the love for whiskey and creating this really cool new environment for people. I would love to have people join in the conversation, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube. We built a page there as well. Just be part of that conversation community. Like I said, I've got some really cool sponsorship opportunities coming up, really great guests that are on the horizon here. They're going to participate in these, these unbelievable ways in which we can improve other people's lives in this fireside chat environment. That's the biggest thing for me is getting people involved in that conversation. That, you know, you've got my website, wileymcgraw.com, where they can go read more about my philosophies and insights that are grounded and rooted in fact about human performance, what it really takes to achieve our best, what it looks like to actually face and yield to the fear of the unknown. But uh, the other thing is just enjoying people that really want to be their best and having them be willing to be a part of this community or conversation. That's all that matters to me right now. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, and my last question on every interview is about what makes you tick besides drinking whiskey, changing (laughs) influencers and powerful people, which is a lot. Is there anything else? Maybe you go back to a sport when you feel down and deplenish and you want to resource your soul. What, What do you have a one go-to thing that you do activity what go to i skydive oh, okay. <laughs> I, jump, that's great. I, I jump i jump out of airplanes uh, as a hobby and that's truly a zen garden for me and my buddies and i we go out and have a great time in the sky it's freedom it's human flight we get to learn about presence you i mean that's the sport that really causes you to stay focused in the moment and i love that aside from my kung fu practice and being able to love the hiking i get to do with my dog and my wife it's like the, the skydiving element is where i really find so much of my passion is all for life. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you are the first one that in over 200 episodes, you are the first <laughs> one that has said skydiving. But I love yes. it. I can. Uh, I could not expect less from you, Mr. McGraw. I appreciate that With so much. With <laughs> everything you're saying, I mean, you can tell it would take something like that to, to make you tick. Well, we thank you for your time. This has been a wonderful conversation. I'm excited Likewise. for all you're doing. You have a new podcast subscriber very soon in me. Right. And, uh, you know, thank you for all you do and for being on the show. Well, Letitia, thank you so much for having me and to your audience for paying attention. Thank you. Thank you. And to all out there, thanks for tuning in and until a new episode of Back to Basics. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.